Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, the show in which we talk about the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news from the last week. Guys, I had a very, very fun time at a thing called AEW Dynamite this last week. I can't wait to talk about it. Before we get there, I want to introduce, of course, my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Sir, how are you doing? And the big question, before we go into wrestling, Fury or Wilder tonight? Oh, man, I am doing great. Uh, I was at the car dealership earlier getting some things taken care of, but uh, I am back home talking wrestling with you, so I'm going to be super stoked. And then, like you said, before we get into that, let's talk about uh, this Fury versus Wilder. Uh, Me. Uh, I just posted this on Facebook. It's going to be controversial, but I have Wilder in the sixth round via knockout. Um, Fury's just got to slip one time and get put out. It's going to be a great fight either way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it goes the distance. That'll be awesome too. Um, But yeah, man, if if I'm a betting man, put money on the bronze bomber tonight for sure. Bomb squad. How about you, Dane? Well, since I don't know a hell of a lot about the heavyweight division anymore in boxing, honestly, besides just checking out the fights, I've seen Wilder stuff. I know what happened previously. I'm going to go with Wilder, too, uh, possibly with a knockout. I don't think uh, if this happens again, Fury's going to be getting up on nine. And uh, either way, I want Wilder to an extent. I mean, I don't know why I'd cheer one or the other. I don't know the guys that much, their personas or whatnot. But – I just hope that if Fury loses, we don't have him added to the WrestleMania card. I'll leave it at that. Is that fair? Oh, for sure. If he gets if he gets knocked clean the fuck out, you know he's he's gonna be at Mania. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna have to rebuild himself a little bit. Uh, that I mean, this does affect wrestling to some extent because you know if he gets put down, he's gonna show up at Mania probably in like the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal or something. I'm down with that. Uh, I'm down with that. Yeah, as long as he's utilized correctly, you know, that's not a bad thing. And, and you know, if, if Vince wants to spend some some big money, he could possibly just do both and put them both in the Battle Royal. That'd be huge for WrestleMania. Um, but, that you know, that being said, uh, that obviously Fury is the better of the boxers. So I'm assuming he's going to channel his inner Floyd Mayweather, try to get points early, not get hit. The thing is, is, it just takes one flip with Wilder. He's laying people the fuck out. Like I posted that um, knockout reel earlier, and there's one guy that's uh, trying his best to block, and Fury just hit, hits him so hard, it, it like puts the guy's own hands into his face and knocks him out. Like he has that kind of power, power that we really haven't seen since Mike Tyson. So it's it's going to be all about if Fury can stay away and win by points because I, I don't see him knocking Wilder out. And uh, that that's going to make for a good fight because, like I said, Wilder can easily turn things around even if he's losing three or four rounds by putting him down. And that's what we saw in that last fight. So I'm assuming going to be more of the same. I just think it's not going to go quite the distance, mostly because uh, Wilder has been actively fighting and Fury's kind of – he had a tune-up match, but he, he also has been doing a ton of promotion. and um, Well, he fought Braun Strowman. Yeah, the Braun Strowman thing. I mean, there's tons of things about him that didn't seem like serious dedication. Then him coming out and, and, like, blaming the reason he lost was because he wasn't in top shape because he was drinking, like, 20 diet sodas a day or something. Like, I don't know that you come out and say that as a fighter. It kind of seems like you're a, 
you're making excuses you shouldn't make, but uh, the, that press conference was pretty great with uh, Wilder Jeez. and Fury. If you haven't seen the press conference, it's great. Uh, Wilder's, <laughs> Wilder's. I like, asked you, and we're you never said, standing and, and over me. We, we both agreed, though, you know, if it was a work or if it was, uh, you know, real. And uh, I think that that was actually them generally uh, not liking each other and almost getting a fucking fist fight before the, uh, the actual event. Yeah, and I mean, if you know anything about the Gypsy King and kind of his upbringing, it, you know, I don't, he doesn't really come off as a guy that would be playing around in this situation. I don't think anyone's ever hurt him the way Wilder did. Like, so... Some gener- general, I think, ego. genuine yeah. hatred, and it's also, uh, you know, Wilder's only blemish on his entire. He's, he has forty-one. I think it was forty-one knockouts, so he's forty-one zero and one with a draw. So for Wilder, it's the only blemish on his entire record. Uh, like if he would have gotten, I think it's forty-two knockouts was Rocky Marciano's undefeated streak in retirement. So like, if you look at it from that standpoint, um, they they have a legitimate reason not to like each other. Outside of them just shit talking, but the blemish on the record, and then also uh, the fact that Wilder's pretty much the only person that I think's ever really hurt Fury in, a, in one of these heavyweight matches. Well, we'll have to wait and see if uh, the Gypsy King will be involved in the Intercontinental uh, Championship match at Mania against Braun Strowman on what happens <laughs> from this. But I loved your idea about him being in the uh, the the. Andre uh, Battle Royal, because honestly, that thing for a while has been absolutely just whatever. Another person, ex-champion in his division, maybe he could show up, I don't know, uh, could show up at that same Battle Royal, uh, because uh, it was reported that Tito Ortiz, uh, past uh, UFC uh, champion, obviously, uh, great matches against Ken Shamrock and uh, Chuck Liddell, if anyone wants to check him out. The the heel, if you will, of the UFC. I think the first one that people, before Koscheck, before, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, what's the British guy, that son of a bitch, I can't remember, uh, if, if it comes back to mind. Um, but anyways, uh, the first really big heel, if you will, of UFC. Tito has been at the Performance Center. Also, before that, he told PW Insider, you know, I've seen Cain Velasquez is taking a step over to develop with pro wrestling, or that would be a good one, or even someone like Brock Lesnar would be another good one, or vice versa. You come over here, I'd go over there, and, you know, whatever they have for my future would be up to them. So very, very up-in-the-air sort of situation talking about the WWE. And also we know that uh, he, won, he went against Alberto Del Rio uh, and beat him for his UFC title versus Del Rio's WWE title. So now he's got one belt, even though that's kind of a – whatever. I mean, that's more legitimacy than winning the belt in the first place, if you think about it. But, uh, Tito, great on the mic. I, I, I can't remember. It wasn't, Russell, uh, it wasn't Russell Talk because I think that they're fucking garbage. But it was either Cultaholic or, or What Culture was talking about it. And one of the guys, very uninformed, uh, said that T.O. Ortiz lacks charisma for the wrestling industry. And I, I would assume that this would be something, you know, much more minor in scale, kind of what they're doing. Like, if they wanted to try to get Fury to go against Tito Ortiz in Saudi Arabia or something like that, you know, kind of like how they have Fury. Because let's, let's be honest with you, Tito is 45 years old. He loves wrestling. That's kind of how he got his persona. But going back to it, whoever's made that statement, is an idiot <laughs> to an extent, or I should say ignorant 
to not know him because if anything, Tito has a little bit too much charisma. That's why he gets so much heat with uh, people during these things. Uh, Michael Bisping was the other person I was thinking of earlier. It just came to mind. Um, so in the capacity of what it could be, or if, if you want to go to NXT and just have fun and see where it kind of takes them and do some matches after doing it, I'm down with that. Maybe uh, him and Matt Riddle get positioned against each other because he's kind of an old-timer, if you will. But much more than that, I'm not really needing. If this was 10 years ago, or even even five years ago, maybe, I would I would have a little bit more like, all right. But I love that certain uh, MMA guys that have a passion for pro wrestling are trying to make that jump. We know Chell Sonnen said that he was a little bit too late in his career to be able to do it, but he wanted to. Uh, but honestly, and you said this too, Chris, with John Jones making a comment about it, we have Ronda Rousey, Cain Velasquez. Um, if, besides Jones, I would say that McGregor, if you do something with, and maybe just because of his look, um, putting him against Brock Lesnar again, uh, even though he's not Uberim, but Alistair Overeem, if he wanted to do something for a one-time thing, Saudi Arabia. Other than that, I don't need a bunch of crossovers anymore. It's kind of cool, but it gets a little bit – it becomes too much. But I do like Tito. I like the Huntington Beach bad boy. I used to fucking hate him, so he did his job well for selling fights. How do you feel about this whole entire thing? I have no problem with it. I just – like you said – well, like I said and, and like you were just alluding to, I think there could be too much of an influx of UFC people. And the reason I say that is because they're going to put them in the same style maybe with the exception of Cain Velasquez, because he actually does want to wrestle a Lucha style. Um, but outside of that, everyone else, they're going to want to do that, that style. And they have people in the wing right now, like Matt Riddle, who's fucking incredible. Like uh, Tito Ortiz isn't going to come in and be anywhere near what Matt Riddle is, or the same thing with uh, John Jones, not that John Jones couldn't get there, but they're, they have a long way up. Um, Tito Ortiz, is, he's done wrestling before, so him saying this doesn't surprise me. He was in TNA, um, back original TNA, uh, 2005, when Jeff Jarrett was still, I believe, owner, and they were doing NWA Heavyweight Champion stuff. He was special guest referee. They kind of did the uh, Ken Shamrock deal with Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles. <clears throat> I think Dusty Rhodes was even involved back then, if, if I'm remembering correctly, but um yeah, he did a couple of things there, and then he was part of the Aces and Eights group with Bully Ray, if, if I'm recalling correctly. So, I mean, I, his interest in wrestling doesn't surprise me. The weird thing is he was talking about wanting to trade talent for that organization that he's working in. So, essentially, this is the way I read it. He's like, I'll come over and do some wrestling stuff if you'll send, like, Brock Lesnar over here to fight <laughs> Because I think the quote was, you know, I've seen that Kane Velasquez is taking the step over developed pro wrestling, so that would be a good one, or even someone like Brock Lesnar would be another good one, and vice versa. You come over here, I'd go over there, and, you know, whatever they have for my future. That points to, like, he's like, let's trade talent, which I just, I don't see WWE doing that at all. No. Um, and also Ortiz fighting Brock Lesnar, that's just, you're fucking, are you kidding me? I mean, it'd be good for his company, but Lesnar would probably kill Ortiz. Yeah, at this point and, in his and, career. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, Ortiz is 45, so that's not taking anything away for, from him as a fighter, you know, back in the day. But Lesnar it, it outweighs him by, like, what, 150 pounds? <laughs> it is younger and is actively 
fought in the past year against a legitimate or year and a half against a legitimate competitor. So I fuck, I don't know that I would want to see that. Well, kind of want to see it, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I think you'd have more luck getting someone like a Matt Riddle if they were to be able to, you know, do that. Um, but that would also be if Matt would want to do MMA. But either way, I mean, it's it's a cool concept in theory. We'll have to see where they're going with this. Like I said, if they were to use Tito, I think it would be for that big fight feel uh, that they're doing uh, within Saudi Arabia, mixing in boxers, wrestlers, you know, just big names, basically. So, And I don't even know if Tito necessarily is a big name anymore. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, it's definitely been a little while. But if they get him involved, I don't have a problem with it. Just find a suitable place for him and don't have it be where – one of the bigger names that are coming up within wrestling, uh, where they should be basically. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways, the, the, the other thing I would say is like with Tito Ortiz, he had those domestic abuse allegations and some other things that surround his career that, uh, I, I, if I'm WWE, I'd kind of just steer clear of Tito. Um, in general, there's just so many other things that they could do. And if they ever were going to do something like this, where they're going to trade their talent to actually go fight in UFC, it would make sense to do it with Dana White. You know, he's like, <laughs> send them into some prelim matches or something, as opposed to sending them down to like this small organization in Mexico that, that the biggest fight they could get was Alberto Del Rio, who hasn't fought a mixed martial arts match. And, I don't know, let's say he started in WWE in like 2008, 2009. So two years before that versus Tito Ortiz was the biggest match they could come up with. So like, hey, I get what he's trying to do, but uh, yeah, if Vince was going to do anything like this, it would be something with Bellator or UFC. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's uh, move on to kind of, not kind of, a really unfortunate story. Uh, Samoa Joe is back on the shelf after yet and again another injury, um, something else involving hitting his head. Uh, we don't know the details of it. All we know is that, according to Ryan, um, Mr. TMZ Satin from Pro Wrestling Sheet, uh, he shot a commercial, WWE-related. We don't know exactly what commercial, but there was a part where a, a table break uh, was supposed to happen, like a stunt with him. And uh, according to Satin, Joe could be out of action for some considerable amount of time, due to hitting his head the wrong way. Uh, I hope this is not a concussion thing. And uh, besides that, this goes back to what we were talking about that took out, took out uh, Samoa Joe for, for like a month uh, not too long ago. You know, Vince keeps on seeing this. You know how he is. It just, the accident, you know, the accident-prone uh, wrestlers, it just doesn't look good on them. This is going to set him back a bit on that. I just uh, – and it sounds like, once again, Samoa Joe, within his career, uh, he's missed WrestleMania before. He's probably going to miss this one again unless it's much more minor and they're able to clear that up uh, soon. But fucking sucks, man. He's one of the best guys out of his generation, you know, along with the AJ Styles, along with the, the, the John Cena's, along with – uh, the Randy Orton's and stuff like that. He's a part of that same generation. Obviously, he was in TNA, but as far as in- influential, great wrestlers, you know, just well known. And he's one of the best guys on the mic. He's one of the best guys in the ring. Just very unfortunate. Chris, uh, how do you how do you feel about the chances of Samoa Joe being able to make it to WrestleMania this year? 
it's going to be tough. I, if I'm if I'm them, I definitely don't rush him back after this one because he he had a concussion last month and then injured himself doing this, obviously, which would lead to me he was reconcussed, is what it sounds like, right? So um, sometimes when you come back too soon from concussion, it's a lot easier to get the next one. Uh, so I, to me, they almost have to go the Alexa Bliss route where they keep them out for six months. That being said, they were are still in desperate need for someone on commentary other than Jerry the King Lawler, in, in my opinion. And when he was Absolutely. on commentary, I think Samoa Joe would be perfect there. And then you just put him into like a macho man role and use him for special shit. So like if you did that same Brock uh, Lesnar angle where Brock came over and – you know, started bullying everyone, and I can't think of the announcer's name, but he he beat the shit out of that announcer. You do that with Samoa Joe, and then they, yeah, yeah, Dio Madden. There you go. You do that same thing, but the guy is Samoa Joe. You got a match right there. So there's stuff that they could do with that, like kind of do like a Macho Man angle. You could build something up with that, and uh, you know, give him time to recover from this concussion. Because the worst thing, I, I mean, the thing I don't want to see is is when he's 55 and done with wrestling. He's talking like Mick Foley, where he's talking about how CTEs affect his, affected his life, and um, you know that that stuff is sad. So, if he's concussed, give him the proper amount of time off. It sucks for Samoa Joe, but I still think there's plenty of ways to use Samoa Joe just because of how good he is on the mic. And I thought he was great on commentary too. Kind of reminded me a little bit of like when CM Punk would do commentary, actually. Um, so I would utilize him in that role if he's not going to be ready for. You know, six or seven months. There's plenty of shit you can do with Joe. You could even make him someone's manager if you wanted to. Um, Absolutely. It, I mean, it sucks. And uh, the the crazy thing about WWE and NXT in general is, Jesus, it seems like they get more concussions than any other company. Uh, I know they work more shows, and I, for some reason, I think a lot of it has to do with this formula they have, where it's like we got to hit a huge dive right before the commercial. Like constantly putting that shit in there because I don't know if they're rushing through shit or like what's going on. But it, if you look around like AW and New Japan and and, uh, and WWE and NXT and even PWG to some extent, it seems like there's been a ton of injuries in WWE the past two years. And I don't know what they do to uh, kind of work around that. But But, you know, it's just. It's kind of crazy. It's staggering the amount of, of what we've seen uh, as far as injuries go with WWE the past few years. Yeah, it really is. Um, I don't know. That's 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 their biggest issue. It seems like uh, concussions. We can say what we will about New Japan and and neck situations stuff like that, and but this type of stuff, I mean, is just as bad, and uh, it sucks with Samoa Joe. I, I completely agree with you, though. Utilize him. If he has time off, especially if he's going to miss Mania, there's going to be some way where he's shelved for a while. Get him on commentary. Make it a three-man booth. It's not going to really matter. They they made it work beforehand. I think that he's awesome on commentary. He reminds me in a lot of ways, and, and, and you were kind of saying with the McFoley concept, and I agree with you 100%. I also don't want him to feel like someone he's compared to a lot for good reasons, also because they're both commentators, you know, uh, Taz returning over on AEW and becoming more involved with that is that Taz, his career was stopped and then it kind of, you know, he went to commentary, but it it was abrupt. It was because of injury over and over again. And he never got to have really that, you know, great of a WWE career. You know, he beat angle, he beat triple H, 
And then shortly after that, that was it. He became a great commentator afterwards, but he never felt like his wrestling career, especially within WWE, was fulfilled wrestling-wise. And I, 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 I hate that Samoa Joe, it seems like the same thing. He finally got to the dance. He was great in NXT, and it's just been bad storylines or injuries that has plagued him, it seems, uh, you know, or, or even if they had a good storyline, like the whole AJ Styles, um, that whole thing, not the greatest payoffs. And we know how significant of a performer Samoa Joe is. You know, he should have beat Brock and just given it to him that one time. That didn't happen. It seems aside of that scenario, it's been injury and or bad uh, angle, uh, bad writing, something on that end. And that kind of sucks. But obviously, he's got a mouth. He could definitely manage someone in NXT uh, that would be great, or WWE in the main roster and be great, or, like you said, just have him be the commentator that can be the balance on between Todd Phillips and Jerry the King Lawler on Raw. He did it beforehand with, uh, I forgot what his name is, uh, the, the gentleman that left, uh, Vic Joseph, um, with Jerry. I think it would be even better because, I no offense to Vic, I think he's, I think he's good but I think that Todd Phillips is actually a pretty damn good lead commentator. I think it would be good between him, Jerry, and jumping back and forth. It just sucks that that's where he is, and I know if he misses this WrestleMania, that's going to be on his mind more than anything, is that once again he gets injured right before WrestleMania and doesn't get the – you know. Any last statements before we move on, buddy? Yeah, I will just say when I was talking about the injury rate in WWE versus other companies, there's one thing I should point out is the work schedule itself. Um, WWE schedule is fucking way more hectic than uh, AEW's, obviously, or even New Japan's, because New Japan does tours, so there's a little breaks in between, etc. Whereas WWE is full go all year round, so I think you know that's part of it, but um, it, it is a little staggering. And, and like you said, I or I think that there's definitely things that you could do with Samoa Joe and. As much as I know he wants to be part of WrestleMania, I'm hoping that WWE is looking at doing the right thing. If this is another concussion, you can't rush it back because and, and, you could get a really, really bad situation on your hands if you do that. Because I think that me and you were both thinking that it was going to be bound from what they're going with. Uh, you know, It was going to be him and Kevin Owens against Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy for the tag titles. You know that That's kind of what they're building. But yeah, don't try to rush that. Just do something differently. Figure it out, basically, as I would say on Letter Kenny. Figure it out. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we, we found we found out another name uh, for the 2020 WWE Hall of Fame uh, Wrestling uh, Observer, Mr. Wrestling Observer himself, Jabe Metzler, uh, reported on his show that he's hearing that um, Davey Boy Smith is finally getting um, put into the Hall of Fame. British Bulldog himself. Uh, apparently, from what Dave said, this is actually more of uh, uh, the Bulldog, like his family, uh, outside the hearts, obviously, his wife and stuff like that, that's kind of been pushing uh, for him not to be added for whatever reason. I don't know the situation that well. Uh, I will say that this is very deserving. There is a plenty, there's a plethora of wrestlers, including someone great like Cesaro, that look up to Davey Boy for being the big guy that could also, you know, well, big guy, body guy, basically, that was also agile and able to do a lot of technical wrestling, very influential on that uh, level. Uh, it, I guess a lot of people think that they should have just knocked it out and gotten Dynamite Kid involved, but if you think about it, 
as as much as the Bulldogs were awesome, they were in three years, I believe, and that was it. And then Davey went on his solo adventures. And obviously, you know, Wimsley Stadium, SummerSlam, the Intercontinental Championship is the main event over the World Heavyweight with, uh, and I think that was uh, 92, I believe, between him and Brett the Hitman Hart, very well-known angle. Obviously, he had substance issues after that, you know, went out of being one of the main eventers uh, for the quote-unquote new generation. And, you know, after that, went back and forth between WCW and WWE and unfortunately passed away very, very early. But along with Jushin Thunder Liger, the Bella Twins, Batista, um, and also uh, the NWA, or NWA, <laughs> that'd be weird, the NWO, um, it looks like Davey Boy Smith will be added to that. And apparently there's rumors going around that there's one more person, key person missing, and it might be someone that will be getting also another ring. So I don't know what the hell that means, and I forgot what outlet it was, but it wasn't the Observer. So either way, looks like uh, Davey Boy Smith's going in there. Um, as far as, you know, talking for him, I, I, the only person I could really think of would be Bret Hart. I think that would be the best person to induct him. And I'm happy for everyone, including, and I know a lot of people are giving crap, and I really liked their segment last night with Alexa Bliss. I thought it was uh, very charming. Um, I don't have a problem with the Bellas Wins being in there. Me and you already talked about it, Chris, when they were announced uh, that that was going to be the case last week. I love that Jushin Liger's being in there, but I mean, if you guys think about this, this is the WWE Hall of Fame. This is for WWE. The Bella Twins, I hate to say this, not for wrestling overall, but they have a better case for being involved with WWE in that product, and also Nikki being a pretty good wrestler out of the two of them, and them being a good dynamic, and also selling the brand with Total Divas and, and getting that out there than even Liger, I would say, who's had two matches in the in the company history of WWE, one in NXT, which you should under Liger, and one in this random event they had in Japan in the early 90s. <laughs> I, someone was talking about this, an event that had Tiger Mask, at the time it, it was Misawa, go against Bret Hart, two of the greats and two of the most influential, and for some reason they had a very clunky match. Maybe language barrier, I'm not 100% sure, but I tried to find it. I couldn't find it anywhere. I don't know if it was just a house show. Whatever. So Jushin has worked for the company beforehand, but if you're thinking about it overall, I don't have a problem with the Bellas being involved in it. They're, they're, they're kind of synonymous with WWE, and they're retired at this point. Someone even made mention about, well, what, uh, what about Michelle McCool? And it's like, all right, now you're just fucking what, – what the fuck's the difference in that case, you know? I mean, we're not talking about some of the big, strong professional wrestlers that will come after them, you know, like Paige, like – even the AJ, I'll throw her in there, and then all everyone involved in NXT with the, uh, the the Four Horsemen and whatnot. Maybe even Emma, you can throw in there. The ones that that turned it more into the wrestling side of women's wrestling than the divas side. But I don't know. Little rant because it's like, I mean, it's the WWE Hall of Fame. What the fuck do you expect? Anyways, I'm happy about all the nominations this year. I think NWO, we could have had maybe one more member involved, uh, whether that be Eric Bischoff whether that be Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, they wouldn't do Scott Steiner, but like one of the other big uh, guys known in it besides the four of those. But other than that, I mean, it's fine. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say about uh, Davey Boy Smith being added to the Hall of Fame this year? I, uh, I I think it's a good addition for them. I mean, he had a long run in, in WWE, part of the Hart family, obviously, and, and I, all the things that you noted already. 
Um, as far as people to induct him, it sucks that Davy Boy Smith has had such a little bit of a rough go here lately. Um, because it would, it would be cool to see, like, you know, his son induct him as a former WWE employee. Maybe him and Teddy Hart, it. for instance. I think that would be cool, and they could even build a tag team off of that. But uh, I also can't blame WWE for not wanting to put him in, in any kind of important situation based on uh, kind of past things with uh, David Boy Smith Jr. So uh, that would be the go-to. I think maybe, you know, Brett or Natalia would be my guess. Yeah. I, from what I've always heard with the reason he hadn't already been inducted was that – if I'm remembering correctly, and I could be wrong, is that his wife and Owen Hart's wife were super close, and they went through that kind of lawsuit thing together, um, and there were still a lot of hard feelings on the Owen Hart stuff, um, the aftermath of Owen's unfortunate passing. So I, that's why I've always heard that that was part of some of the Hart family not being inducted, and I guess some of that has settled down since we saw Jim get inducted. Um I don't know. It's interesting. It's crazy to me. They're getting, they're putting Davy Boy Smith Jr. in, or not Davy Boy Smith, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog himself, uh, in before Owen Hart. But you know, I, I think that still is there a little bit of that. So I think oh, yeah. that kind of elude. You, you know what I mean? Um, I, I know they don't like to talk about Owen Hart, but if you're going to put one of the people in the fucking one of the remaining Hearts in there, <laughs> he would be the one that should actually be in there, in my opinion. Uh, as Owen the Blackheart, his feud with Brett obviously is some of the best wrestling you'll – if you like technical wrestling from early WWF, that's some of the best shit you're going to see. Um, but I don't know. I hope I live long enough to see Owen Hart. They settle that stuff and, and finally get him inducted because he deserves to be there as a WWF slash WWE guy. It's cool that British Bulldog's getting inducted in there as far as people that to, to induct him. Natalia and Teddy, I guess. Um, they, as part of that see, new heart foundation. See, the thing is, from what I would say, Davy Boy Smith Jr. is actually a good um, name because I've, I watched the bump once in a while on the network because I have no life. <laughs> and they were interviewing as a Valentine's Day, so they had Tyson Kidd and Natalia on there, and then Cesaro um, surprised them, and then a bigger surprise, Davy Boy Smith Jr. was on the show when they were talking about how Cesaro and him would love to have a dream match since Cesaro was so much influenced by his father, blah, 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 blah. And, and that was great. And then MLW was like, hey, WWE, he's under contract. He never told us about that, and they got pissed off. And I don't know if they put a lawsuit or just gave them a warning about it, so I don't know how the hell that would work out. Obviously, I think Court Bauer and MLW, if they wanted his son to induct his father in the fucking Hall of Fame, they would get over that. But they got pretty pissed off about him being on the bump uh, last week. Teddy, unfortunately, man, he's he got fired from MLW. He's off. I don't know if he's off the rocker. I shouldn't say that, but he's having his issues. I could definitely see Natalia. I could definitely see Brett, and I could definitely see David Boy Smith Jr. for sure if they wanted to. Did I say? Did I say Teddy? What is Natalia's husband's name? Tyson Kidd. Yeah, Tyson okay. Kidd. That's who I was. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Is, is Tyson Kidd and Natalia? Maybe if they can't get Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, just I, I just because they don't want to bring like, Brett back. I was like, I was like, if you want, like, maybe maybe we, they can do what they did last year, where Brett and ducks him, and then this time Teddy tackles him on stage instead of some random dude. I could see him doing that. <laughs> 
No, that's not what I was going for. I was I was actually trying to think of the Italian as the name. My my apologies on that. That was a slip up. All right. Well, uh, let's let's move on. Um, what is our next thing? Okay, WrestleMania backstage reports. What expected to happen? We've kind of talked about some of these ahead of time, but uh, let's just kind of go over it. These are a lot of what Dave Metzler has been talking about. Them. A lot of them are obvious, and a lot of them are confirmed, but. So far, we have Charlotte Flair going against Rhea Ripley. I will say, I'm still not 100% sure if my scenario is not going to play out or not. So I'm just going to leave that there based on uh, what we'll probably be talking about with NXT uh, later on. And then uh, Edge versus Randy Orton. Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. Uh, Drew McIntyre going against Brock Lesnar. And most likely, Roman Reigns going against The Fiend. Uh, We don't know what the tag match is going to be, obviously. Uh, for the raw side of it, one thing that's definitely there is um, what I thought was supposed to happen based on this whole injury with Samoa Joe. So they're probably going to do some flip-flopping. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Hey, maybe maybe, maybe it'll be uh, KO and uh, Sami Zayn again. They'll just fucking force that shit and just stop the, uh, the other thing. I don't fucking know. Um, and then for the SmackDown side, it looks like, from last night, you know, they were acting all buddy-buddy, but then the New Day and Uso said, hey, we still have a rivalry. That, I definitely could see them going back to the well, and I don't have a problem with that. And uh, we know that it, it there's a lot of rumors going to be Naomi versus uh, Bailey for, for, for that one, at least. And there was also, apparently, um, Ronda's not expected to be there. Triple H is not expected to be there, and it doesn't look like Goldberg is going to beat The Fiend, and he's also not going to be there. I have no problem with any of those. Undertaker and AJ still something that has been put in place. AJ even mentioned Undertaker, along with Shawn Michaels, about uh, older wrestlers he'd like to, uh, I don't know, destroy this last Monday Night Raw. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't be talking shit about the dead man. So there's all of that. We know John Cena, unfortunately, will probably be going against Elias. They're trying to build him up like they did last night on SmackDown. Awesome hardcore match. A little bit fucking ridiculous that you power slam Shinsuke on top of a grand piano. I hope he didn't get his back fucked up. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, that seems like most of the matches that we have going on. And, uh, Chris, how do you feel about the matches? And how do you feel about that there will be a lack thereof with Ronda Rousey, Triple H, and Goldberg? To me personally, that does not bother me. We don't need that many fucking people that we already have. Uh, I'm kind of a little sad about there not being any Ronda Rousey just because I thought that they could have built a cool angle with her as a special guest referee that could have built to a match down the line. But, you know, it's still going to be a good match between her, uh, Shayna and Becky, so... I, I, it's not like I'm severely disappointed. Um, Goldberg, I'm fine with. I guess that just means the Fiend's going to get a strong win. I'm kind of surprised about that, if that is true, just because I assumed it would have been Taker versus Goldberg, kind of a redemption match for that shit show that happened in Saudi Arabia. For uh, the Seth, Roll- uh, Seth Rollins match, I- I'm assuming... They're just going to drop the titles, and then you'll have an AOP versus War Raiders match. Maybe they drop the titles to the War Raiders. Uh, then you get Buddy Murphy will have to do something. I don't know where he fits into the thing more than anything else, but it'll be Seth versus uh, Kevin Owens. Probably in some kind of gimmick match, like last man standing or something. Uh, Bailey. Yeah. 
Bailey versus Naomi. Uh, I feel like, to me, unless Sasha is ready to go and wins Elimination Chamber, that's the that's the route. But I, man, I still feel like Sasha is going to end up at Mania somehow. I don't I don't know how that's going to play out. I, I guess not. I agree. But uh, yeah, if they go Bailey versus Naomi, that'll probably be a pretty good match. It's good to see Naomi back and uh, getting some work. I don't know if there's anything I missed off that list. We went through it kind of quick, but I think I hit the majority of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting how it shakes up. I just know that Ronda, I could still see maybe referee. I I think that this means that she's definitely not going to be wrestling, um, which is fine with me. Um, but for anyone that was like, oh, shit, Goldberg, Triple H, like, can we, we have enough. Undertaker's supposed to be on there. We all know that he's getting paired with AJ because AJ can be able to work around him and his, and his weaknesses now that he's older. I mean, that's no offense to Undertaker. For in-ring wrestling, he's up there on my list as one of the best of all time, based on his size especially. Um, but he's older, you know, and, and that's the reason why you put him with someone like AJ. I told you I was a little bit disappointed because I, I feel like he could have had someone else. But, hey, that's fine. Uh, Cena's going to be there, even though it's against Elias, and that I do kind of find whatever about, you know, vanilla, if you will, at this point. But they've been building him up pretty well on SmackDown. So, hey, if, if even if you have a match where you lose to John Cena, hopefully it's not a squash match like last time. It can put you over, I guess, to an extent. Um, but this is, uh, this is interesting. Uh, I'm more looking forward so far to TakeOver <laughs> and what they're going to do there than WrestleMania. But that's how it's like for the last several years, and we'll just have to wait to find out what the final card is and how it plays out. But in a lot of ways, it's looking to be a pretty damn good WrestleMania. And any last comments, Chris, before we move on to Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, I'll just say real quick um... – the the Undertaker AJ match. If you're going to do an Undertaker match, I can't think of a single better person to put in that scenario against the Undertaker. I think he'll they'll still have one hell of a match together, and maybe that is why the Undertaker isn't doing the Goldberg thing, is because he's like, that fucker almost killed me, and then I almost killed him. So we probably shouldn't do that match again. Because <laughs> yeah. Undertaker's a smart hey, let guy. Me, hey, let me ask you. Uh, since we're about to go over Raw, we can just kind of throw this in there since it was the first match, but I, for the first time, really got to see how Aleister Black interacted with a big guy, and obviously Eric Rowan, nowhere near the level of Undertaker, even at, I would say, now, if you will, or just within his career, but I liked how that looked, and it's, he still was able to get a, a, a strong win. Obviously, what I'm trying to say is, like, this would probably be next year or Saudi Arabia in the future, but it made me go... That's how Aleister Black could have an awesome match with The Undertaker or a big guy in general if he had to. Yeah, I could see that completely. I think that they're probably going to do a pre-show match with Aleister, either have him win the Battle Royal or uh, do a feud with Rowan because they gave Rowan so much offense in that match, to be honest. It seems like that thing's not done yet, and Rowan still has the cage gimmick, so we don't know what's going on with that. So uh, oh, we know. Aleister something to do. We know. It's the guy oh, we know. No, no, what no. What's going to happen? And I told you this. What's what's going to happen? And so maybe we'll be at Mania. Maybe we'll be him and Aleister Black. All of a sudden, Jake the Snake Roberts' music's going to turn on, and his old ass is going to come down there with a sack going, Damien! Damien! And then he's going to go up to the cage and be like, There you are, Damien. How'd you get here? And then we'll just walk off. We're going to pretend that the fucking cage thing even exists. 
going into next year? I've just been assuming that it's going to be Bray Wyatt's head lantern thing in there, and then you're going to have Bray versus The Fiend somehow. <laughs> you're going to, like, put Joe or Kevin Owens God. in the costume for The Fiend <laughs> and then do the match. <laughs> like, Taker versus Taker. I'm just kidding. Oh, Please God. don't do that. WWE, please, Please don't, don't do that. Do that. I think it's Hornswoggle. We'll just leave it at that. Um, let's talk about <laughs> Raw. All right, so this opening, I think, is one of the biggest things to talk about with Randy Orton uh, opening the show by telling – and now, obviously, like usual, thank you, Uproxx, for your breakdowns. You guys do a great breakdown on your website of everything. But uh, Randy Orton opened the show by telling the audience Matt Hardy was not medically cleared. As of such, they would not have their no-holds-barred match as originally uh, put out there. Vince, by the way, changed his idea of having them have this match to doing this uh, the day of. But I actually think this might have been for the better. But um, Hardy came out in street clothes and a neck brace, demanding answers from Orton as to why he tried to end Edge's comeback. Orton beat down Hardy repeatedly, uh, doing the whole performance of him being completely uh, on the borderline with, you know, conflicted, to malicious, just really down the middle. Uh, and it was, uh, once again, awesome. Uh, Orton beat down Hardy repeatedly, giving him two concertos. Uh, no, three, one inside the ring, and then two with the uh, steel ring steps. Hardy was stretchered out during the commercial break. But uh, good performance by both guys. Matt Hardy, we know, is on his way out. He's got one more, I think, uh, one more um, – uh, show in his future that he's uh, contracted for, and then that's it. So he's been making his videos, uh, still having on the neck brace. Uh, that I definitely think that anyone, if you like Matt Hardy, go check them out, where he's in limbo right now. So uh, I love that he's in the spirit of doing this. I think this is a good angle. I don't think Matt Hardy doesn't give a shit about fucking doing this. Him and Randy Orton are friends. If this is going to prolong or, or put over more or less the – the feud between Edge and Randy Orton, great. Um, I I said to you, Chris, or I, Christian, I said to you, Chris, that I could see something involved with, with Christian. You threw out Jeff Hardy, maybe even Beth Phoenix involved, but we both agreed that we need the other side now, whether it be him on Titantron or something, we need Edge involved uh, beforehand, uh, before – you know, it, it kind of – it's too much Randy right now. Obviously, Edge is out because he's hurt, but we need some type of interaction from Edge uh, in, in the near future, I would say. Uh, how do you like this opening between him and Matt Hardy? Yes! No! <laughs> I actually liked it a lot. The only thing I would say, and, and this is nitpicking, um, and we talked about this kind of before the show, which is if they have a normal bra, security is everywhere. Literally, Matt Hardy's not cleared to wrestle, and he is getting absolutely destroyed. He has no friends. There's no security to help him. There's not even any refs out there yelling, like, hey, don't do that. Um, so just a nitpicky thing. That was a, a little annoying. I mean, even if Orton breaks through and does it anyways, I think that it just it, – it's, it's a better visual if you have people actually trying to stop it, especially knowing that Matt isn't cleared. Uh, to wrestle the match, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that they promoted a match and then didn't give it to us, but I like Orton's storytelling, um, the way he's just so slow and methodical about his destruction, and he kind of did the same thing that he did with Edge, where he's like, oh, I'm not going to do that, and then he does it, and uh, if if 
even if you're kind of a jaded wrestling fan like me and you, where we watch so much that we just expect a little bit more from some of these things. And like I said, kind of nitpicking. Um, if you look at the reaction of some of the children that they showed in the audience, like this one kid with his like head in his hands, like crying, basically, uh, it's working. It's at least working for that, you know, that age range of Orton being this old school uh, demon of the heel. I think you made a great comparison with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts giving Macho Man a Cobra and then slapping Miss Elizabeth, which they could never do now. But um, <laughs> this, it, 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 it does have that feel to it. Um, or, or like I said, Arn Anderson, you know, breaking the uh, breaking Dusty's leg or um, – that it's got that kind of old school heel mentality to it. I like it. I do think the edge needs to do something promo, even if it's just uh via satellite or whatever, if I was them, I would actually take a little bit out of AEW's playbook. I know this sounds crazy, but uh, what the, the pock interviews or the pack interviews that we've been posting where he just like kind of in the street talking about it or show him training and talking about how he's going, he's coming back and he's going to get revenge and then tease like the comeback um, kind of like a vignette or something. If, if you wanted to go that route and then just have Orton continue to destroy people. Like I said, I think Christian's a good one and you know, Jeff Hardy should want revenge for his brother. He's still under contract. Like we said last week, he's working in the development center. I don't know that he needs to have a full match. He could just do something very similar to what Orton's been doing. But it just adds to that storyline, especially if you look at it as a whole with um, kind of Orton taking out all of the TLC guys. I know Devon still works in WWE, so you could even do something with one of the Dudleys if you wanted to. Just yeah. him dismantling everyone that's involved in that angle and then maybe even uh, tormenting Beth on NXT. That would be good for NXT to be like Orton is coming to NXT. We don't know why. You could tease that. That pops the rating on Wednesday as well. Um, so interesting things that they could do. The biggest thing is they have to get Edge back on TV in some form. Uh, otherwise, you're just seeing the story from one angle. Uh, I like surprises as much as the next person, but they should be heavily promoting Edge so that when he comes back, it, it does. It's everyone sees it, and it's good for the show, not just for YouTube views afterwards. Absolutely. All right, let's. These are the next kind of. Uh, I'll, I'll move uh, through the card, but um, we talked about Aleister Black defeating Eric Rowan with two uh, black mask kicks. Thought it was an awesome way. It was. It was good because it showed vulnerability within Aleister Black's game. Uh, you know, ring game with such a big component, but he was able to still pull it off. I do kind of want to see something continue with the two of them going forward. And honestly, if you have to go back to the well and you can't do this tag match. Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black put put on a, a great wrestling performance. I would still have Aleister win, but if you have maybe reasons why he loses, like the fact that he has a faction now, I don't know. You could do something there, just saying. Uh, Charlotte came out uh, wearing uh, NXT colors and cut an in-ring promo, reiterating that she is challenging Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36. We had a three-way of the 24-7 championship in which Riddick Moss defeated Mojo Raleigh and uh, R-Truth. Drew McIntyre came out down to the ring, uh, pointing at the sign, got the whole audience into it. He's coming off as a good baby face, and especially I think he's someone that's trying to be cool enough for adults, but also for the kids. That's what the whole entire, you know, again, the points of the ring. I think they might be overdoing it, but 
just let him keep on going for it. But uh, anyways, talking about wanting to defeat Brock Lesnar, he's interrupted by Paul Heyman, who teases an appearance by Lesnar, screws over the whole entire audience because, you know, that's that's – that's his thing sometimes. Like, oh, you think he would come here? I can't do the the, the, the Paul Heyman voice. But uh, he introduced MVP, who I thought was retired. Whatever. Hey, let him do what he wants. But Drew McIntyre obviously beat him. Uh, any comments on – we already talked about Aleister Black and Eric Rowan, but Charlotte Flair saying she's definitely going for Rhea Ripley, the three-way 24-7 match, uh, or Drew's – um, you know, his promo and then his match with MVP. So this Aleister Black, uh, Eric Rowan match, I think was Rowan's best match that I've seen him in as far as a singles match goes. So I would like <laughs> to see one more. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Aleister having to use two black masses uh, to get the win. But outside of that, I thought that was a, a great kind of yeah, – that was the opening match, right? Yeah, because we didn't get a match out of Matt. So, yeah, I thought that was a great show opener. Triple threat match, I don't give a single shit about Riddick Moss or Mojo Rawley, and I don't know how anyone could. Um, obviously, this is just a low-card thing. Truth is going to end up winning that title back. It's fine. It was just there for me. It was kind of a nothing match. So, yeah, it is hey, what let, it is. Let we me ask you up. something. I hate that I always interrupt you. Sorry about that, but because uh, no, I forget okay. about it. Um, you know, I'm going to put this out there because I love Solomon Monster's idea. Would you rather John Cena do what they're going to do with him and Elias, or a scenario in which John Cena is able to, for whatever, come out, cut a promo, they have the squad come out, whatever happens, John Cena gets a pin over, say, Riddick Moss, doesn't matter, and then our truth comes out to challenge him for challenge his his idol who is older than by the way his idol for the title and then you know maybe even give uh give um you know fucking our truth a goddamn win in a huge WrestleMania moment instead of some throwaway thing between him and Elias I'm gonna keep on putting that out there that 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 uh concept I would you know that would be very interesting and our truth and John Cena have had matches before that were pretty solid uh they had they had a feud for the title actually um with a little Jimmy stuff with our truth so there's things you can build on there that's why it's funny when our truth says that john cena is his idol um it's like he ate little jimmy because that was the whole gimmick is that john <laughs> little little jimmy was a huge john cena fan that's where that came from so it's like he's kind of became little jimmy which is weird our truth is is fucking great um i would i would much rather see that and it's nothing against elias but we've also seen that match four times with John Cena killing him every time. So it's, I, I, you know, for Elias just to all of a sudden beat John Cena with no buildup, I'm not a huge fan of that. So I'm assuming John Cena just wins that match, and it's kind of a nothing happening match. Whereas if you can do the R-Truth John Cena thing, you could build it up. You could have John Cena win the 20, uh, well, I don't know how many appearances he's going to make, but you could have him win the 24-7 title, defend it in random locations that are just, shoots basically like video shoots uh in different places maybe like on the fast and furious like red carpet or some shit uh and he's goofy <laughs> enough to to pull it off even though he's such a big superstar you know yeah I, I think there's some fun things you could do with that and then you could also if you want to have john cena come back right before mania for a couple of shows you could have him do the open challenge like he used to do with the u.s title and just have like 40 dudes show up and john cena have to fight all of them because they're geeks anyway most of the people that are going for the 24 7 title um 
Yeah, and I mean, it's also the perfect opportunity to bring up people from NXT if you wanted to. If John Cena wins the or beats our truth, has the twenty four seven title, then you could. I hate to say this, but if they wanted to make it serious, they could have like do it like when Bob Holly had it, where just no one could beat him, regardless of how many people tried with the hardcore title. Um, you could pull someone up and do something like that if you wanted to. But I think it would require someone new that's not in the 24-7 picture um, to really pull that off. But, yeah, our truth versus John Cena, I'd much rather see that than Elias versus John Cena. Elias is like – he's so – it's just such a weird thing with him. Um, he because he took huge. so many losses. Yeah, it's because he t- took so many losses and. He was the heel. He was kind of a stooge to Shane McMahon. That's just a guy that's going to take a lot of rehabbing. I think the fans like him, but they don't. To me, I don't see him as like a main eventer at all. And I don't know how you would ever really get him there. Him beating John Cena is not going to get him there. People are just going to be like, oh, I guess he beat John Cena. And then the next week on SmackDown, he's going to have nothing to do. So uh, that one's a little weird for me. Yeah, um, even if, like I said, even if, I'm, I'm just thinking they could pull off a segment where they all just do it in one type of clusterfuck but fun little thing and then have a pretty short but awesome match between the two um, and, and have it just at WrestleMania and it would probably be just the same length as whatever the fuck they're going to do with John Cena and Elias. But we'll have to wait and see. What did you think about Drew McIntyre? Um, you know, him promoting WrestleMania and then defeating MVP after Paul Heyman brought MVP out to go against him. I, I love that they're just doing stuff with MVP. Like, he was only supposed to do one match that he wanted to do with Ray and be done, and they're like, hey, MVP's not that bad. We should keep using him. So I guess he's just going to be kind of a job guy and doing his uh, interview segments or whatever. Um yeah, I like MVP, so this was a fun match. I mean, Drew McIntyre is getting that one, two, three Claymore over like a million bucks. Uh, WWE doesn't need him to lose at all. He needs to win every match headed into Mania. They need to keep him strong and uh, not give him so much mic time. I, I don't think that he's bad on the mic or anything. And, and the way they give him wins, they got to make sure that it's not Roman Reigns. Don't give him the same push as Roman Reigns. You can't fall into one of the WWE formulas. They got to keep it kind of fresh. That's going to be their biggest obstacle. Um, but I like Drew McIntyre. I like what they've done with him so far. I like he won Rumble, and I've liked him the past two or three weeks. Uh, it is weird that Paul Heyman brought out MVP to fight him. I think this would have been a better spot for Shelton Benjamin, just because like Brock bitch tossed MVP and then taunted him and did the little MVP dance at the rumble, but I guess, you know, short memory for, for most fans. So, well, he also bitched off Shelton Benjamin after acting like he was going to be his buddy for it. So there is that, but you know, he probably get more over it. Yeah, but he, well, he just suplexed him and then tossed him out. And yep. that's, you know, partners do that to each other all the time. That doesn't mean they're not friends or whatever. Afterwards. They don't love each other. They have a closer relationship. <laughs> what I'm getting at is they definitely have a closer relationship than MVP. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's whatever. I like MVP, like I said, so I didn't have a problem with this. And, and yeah, MVP was like, <laughs> I retired after that Rey Mysterio match, and then he's just done angles with Drew McIntyre in the past three weeks. So <laughs> who the fuck knows? Hey, I'm down for utilizing him, that's for sure. All right, so uh, we have Becky come out. 
She brought out a paper bag full of money to the ring and dumped it out in the ring, saying that she would use it to pay her fine for whatever she does to Shayna Baszler the next time she sees her. Baszler appeared on Titantron and promised Lynch she would win the Elimination Chamber match and go on to win Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36. She then promised to tear the living shit out of Lynch, who appeared unfazed from her statement. So, yeah, I think they're doing a good job building this up. Uh, The bag of money thing was kind of stupid, but I think Becky, especially, you know, throughout the end of her and uh, Asuka's um, feud, she was getting more and more powerful with the mic. I like that. And Shayna Baszler, I mean, people keep on making comments about how she sounds like Mickey Mouse, and it's, it's true, but... I think, just like the NXT audience, she will show why she is someone not to fuck with, basically. And I thought she was very direct. I liked them saying the the S word. Uh, You know, it can kind of just add a little bit into it. But uh, I think these ladies are going to beat the living shit out of each other at WrestleMania. Uh, What do you think, Chris? It'd be hypocritical for me to complain about the paper bag full of money because that is very much a Conor McGregor thing and not a Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. So maybe they are actually listening to feedback a little bit and going, okay, she's not Steve Austin. That didn't work. Let's do something else. Uh, It was weird. I I will say that. And also for what she did to her, like Becky came back and was fine. That's the other thing. (laughs) Like she just showed back up in the ambulance and was fine (laughs) last week. So I don't, (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. Like if they wanted to do this, why didn't they just have her, punch Becky the same way that Nia Jax accidentally did and then have Becky sell a broke jaw or something. Like maybe even wire her jaw shut, like not shoot wire her jaw shut, but like fake wire her jaw shut or something. Um, and then Becky doesn't have to promo. She can just try to attack Shayna wherever she can find her or whatever. And I think that would have been a great way to go. Not that Lynch isn't a, a good promo. I just think if you did something like that, kind of what they what accidentally happened with Naya, it, it gives people that same fill and you can bring it back in. Whereas this, they did that fake blood angle and all the bad crap we talked about last week. Um, I like Shayna's promo. She does sound a little bit like Mickey Mouse, but uh, you know, if that bothers you, like think about the South Park episode of Mickey Mouse where it's like, get up, get the fuck up. <laughs> Mickey Mouse is where Mickey Mouse is actually evil and he's wanting to make little girls ginas tickle or whatever it was with the Jonas Brothers. So if you think about it like that, if you think about it like that, I'm fine with Shayna uh, having a Mickey Mouse voice. I mean, the big thing is they got to get her back on TV and she needs some strong wins and she's got to continue to beat the shit out of Becky Lynch to make people care about that match. Yep. All right, so we had uh, Bobby Lashley and Angel Garza going against Rusev and Humberto Carrillo. Hey, weird, Rusev and Humberto Carrillo lost. So uh, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, it, w- it was a fine match. Um, it just, I know Rusev's coming down the days. I know that, I'm sure he's like, Lana, you fucking stay here. You make your money. You're doing good. I'm, I got to do something else. This is driving me crazy. I can't do it. Because he hasn't re-signed, and he's got an option and a big pay upgrade, and he still won't. So, I don't see him doing much more. Uh, I don't know how much he has left on his contract, but we'll find out. We also had a match with Kari Sane, uh, defeating Natalia via countout. Asa kicked Natalia in the head when she was outside the ring, uh, rendering her unable to make a 10 count. I think that's going to build towards Natalia going against Asuka now, which we'll probably get a good match out of. 
Uh, also, I just want to say congratulations to Kari Sane. Uh, she got married to uh, New Japan uh, pro wrestler Evil uh, th- this last weekend. So uh, congratulations to two of them. Um, I don't know oh, if, wow. based on where where she is now, if that means that she's going to try to get back to Japan once her contract's out. That could signify it because that's a very, very far distance. I'm, I know they're already a couple, but now that they're married – you know, I could see her wanting to get back over to Japan. So, um, how'd you feel about how do you feel about what's going on with Rusev first of all, and then how'd you feel about them setting up Natalia probably for Asuka in the future? Would you like to see a match with that? And then Kari Sane and Evil are married. Yeah. So the Lashley uh, Angel Garza is coming off like a superstar. So I kind of don't like him being put in there with Rusev and Bobby Lashley, which I think has a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, As far as Rusev goes, I think you're exactly right. He's counting down the days. I mean, the thing is, is if he ends up going to AEW, which I would assume that would be the spot, right? Um, He only has to work one day a week, realistically. (laughs) So he can hang out with Lana whenever he wants. Like, that's not that big of a deal. Unlike the Carrie Zane thing where he said they're in separate countries um, and she's traveling for every Monday Night Raw, that, that's a little bit more of a travel schedule. Um, I, if I'm Rusev, I, you know, some things aren't worth the money, especially when Lana's getting paid as much as she is. And whatever, what will happen will be Rusev leaves. They don't use Lana anyways. And like Rusev goes and can maybe have a successful career somewhere else. The only thing is they just brought in Jeff Cobb. And Rusev and Jeff Cobb kind of fill the same role in a lot of ways, kind of that shorter, broader, stacked monster. I just hope that WWE – I mean, WWE is going to do everything they can to embarrass and um, – not that they haven't already uh, – embarrass and, and send Rusev off on a bad note. But as we've seen with Moxley, it doesn't matter. Um Fans that love Rusev are going to love Rusev as soon as he leaves and goes somewhere else. It's their attempt to bury people like that. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It just makes people pissed at WWE. So I don't know why they do you it. Didn't say I Matt understand Hardy? people. I think they were a little more classy with Matt, even though he took some losses. It wasn't. It's not the goofy shit they were having Dean do, or uh, what they've had Rusev do with this whole wedding angle and terrible feud with Bobby Lashley, et cetera. I think that's part of the reason they were they did so much dumb stuff in their match. Like I, I almost assume that Rusev's like, okay, we're gonna do a leapfrog spot here. Like it's supposed to be this blood feud, and they're they're in there having like a WCW '95 match. Um. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't know. For me, Rusev's like, he probably just wants to go watch Nashville Predators play and chill and work one day a week and actually maybe get booked in a way that makes sense. So if he leaves, I'm happy, more than happy for him. Carrie Zane and Evil, I did not know they were in a relationship together, and that's weird because I only see Evil as this terrible person that destroys people in New Japan. <laughs> I completely buy it that that's him in real life. Almost like Minoru Suzuki. Like I'm just like, no, that's just who they are in real life. Uh, so good, good on Evil. He uh, he locked down the uh, pirate princess, so that's great. Um, I mean, if Carrie goes back, the obvious landing spot for her in Japan would be stardom. And she would immediately go back to the top of that roster as Carrie Hojo because uh, she kept her original name. So I could easily see that. And um, Asuka versus Natalia, completely fine with it. 
I, I think that you should have Natalia beat Asuka because of something Kerry Zane did. And then you have Kerry versus Asuka. And oh, then Natalia gets yeah. like a title shot future down the line because Carrie needs to be a baby face and, and they need to book her in a way that makes sense, especially now that we know that she married evil. Because like you said, if that, we don't know what the contract situation with that is. I know she signed with the next two years ago. I haven't heard anything about her resigning. If she signed a three-year deal, it would be up next year, but you could do Carrie Zane versus Asuka at Mania. That would be a big match, and I think people would get super into it. And also, it'd probably be one of, if not the match of the night, because they're fucking insane. If they actually let them go out there and have a 15-minute match, it'd be great. Oh, it would be fucking... It would be awesome. I would definitely agree with that. And I'm looking forward to seeing Asuka. I don't think I've seen her and Natalia, you know, do their thing in the ring, so... I'm sure that they'll be able to have a, a good match. Um, all right, so let's talk about this this whole Messiah, you know, the Monday Night Messiah thing. <sighs> Basically, I just, I feel like they had, and yeah, there are comparisons, obviously, to CM Punk with um, with the Strange Society. But other than that, he's trying to take a different direction, the the... I know that there are a lot of Christian people that are not very happy with this persona. I'm sorry they've done this in wrestling beforehand, even Reverend uh, Devon before in the past, uh, even Slick to an extent back in the day. So I get I get why, but it doesn't bother me. I'll just leave it at that. The thing is, they have not progressed this story at all since fucking the first week they established him with this new group. And it looked like it was very promising, and they'd done the exact fucking same thing ever since, and then the exact same style fucking match ever since. You get some type of version between him and Buddy and AOP going against KO, Samoa Joe, and the Viking Raiders. They've not done anything fucking differently, and it's not helping Seth Rollins at all. I'm going to be honest with you, at this point, I wish Seth would have just gone back to... The, the architect when he first came on the scene as a heel underneath the authority and just was someone vicious, malicious, very, very much based off of his quote-unquote mentor, Triple H, and just did that whole thing, singles by himself, than what they're currently doing. Maybe it's because, honestly, I haven't got enough of a chance for Seth to bloom because it seems like they're giving him... Let me, let me compare it this way. Back in the 90s, there was a show that was an import from Japan cartoon called Dragon Ball Z. And when Car- Cartoon Network was trying to dub it, basically, and get the Frieza saga, we were able to watch it within, I think, a fucking three-year period because little to nothing would happen and they would skip over. This seems like the same process. It's like we're not getting anything. So anyways, the quote-unquote Monday Night Messiah Seth Rollins came out to the ring uh, with his uh, disciples, AOP and Murphy, to deliver a sermon. Rollins promised Raw would move forward in his vision and said that phase two of his movement will not be easy, but will be for the greater good. He promised to either rehabilitate or eradicate those superstars who are flawed and uh, non-complaint. His sermon was interrupted by the Viking Raiders, who hit the ring and brawled with AOP, 
and Murphy while Rollins got the fuck out of there. He was then surprised by Kevin Owens, who gave him a stunner at the top of the ramp. Backstage, Carly, uh, Charlie Caruso interviewed Seth Rollins, who said AOP and Murphy would fight the Viking Raiders and Kevin Owens tonight. Chris, I'll just pass it to you. So I'm going to start before I bury this fucking thing um, by how I would fix it. The AOP already in NXT did a very similar gimmick where they followed this book of pain with the manager, Paul Ellering. Instead of having the Messiah do these sermons, bring back Paul fucking Ellering to do this, do this piece, have Seth be the Messiah, have Paul Ellering preach about the Messiah, and then don't do fucking four-way tag match or four-men tag matches every week. That's how you fix it. Now I'm going to shit on it. The sermon itself was so boring, so long, so boring. He said nothing. Everything he said didn't mean anything. I don't know why he's feeding with Kevin Owens because he's the Messiah. Um, the entire idea was he was disappointed at Raw's performance, like at what Survivor Series. And now he's the Messiah leader or whatever of the AOP. It's it's fucking stupid. They're building this four-way match because they don't know what to do, and they have good wrestlers, and they're going to have a good match. The match itself, great. Unfortunately, like anyone that works with Kevin Owens right now gets injured. Samoa Joe or whatever partner they throw in there with him, Big Show or whoever. Um, <laughs> that sucks. But uh, the match itself I thought was pretty good. I'm just tired of seeing it. Like you said, they've rotated the same match in and out for the past, I don't know, what, four or five weeks, I want to say. Um, yeah, the sermon promo was bad. If you want to do something cool like that, if he is the Messiah, have him be – you can be the Monday Night Messiah without doing sermons because it's just a nickname. He doesn't actually have to be a Messiah. Like, he was the architect before, but I didn't see him fucking drawing out plans to build a huge building in New York. Um, so I, I, I don't know if you're going to do that. I I'm, I'm assuming they're doing that because that was the Arthur's pains, original gimmick that got them over. If you want to get them back over, bring back Paul Ellering, have him be their manager as part of Seth's group, have Seth just be Seth. Um, the only person in this group that I kind of like is at this point is Murphy. And I kind of want him <laughs> to be the first out outcasted from the group. I like Seth as an in-ring performer. It, it, the more and more he does stuff like this, the more and more, more the fans turn against him for the wrong reasons, as opposed to like Randy Orton right now, who's getting like actual heel heat. Like people are just kind of like, eh, Seth again, eh, who cares? And and they're not doing enough with Kevin Owens as a baby face to overcome that. So I don't know. I hate this whole fucking angle. It's I'm tired of it. Uh, honestly, I think that Murphy and Seth should drop the titles like next week so that you can start building Kevin Owens versus Seth because Samoa Joe is not going to be there. Uh, I'm just, you have to assume that Samoa Joe is not going to be ready for mania at this point. Mania is what, two months away. He's coming off two concussions. So they got to get that stuff nailed down and then, uh, Kevin Owens and, and Seth need to have a good feud. But if you want to make that actually good, you're going to do. If you're going to do sermons, bring back like the Book of Pain, Paul Ellering, have him be that guy and talk about how like Seth is the uh, prototypical like person that causes pain, and then kind of have him do 
these dastardly things to people on the roster, whether it's Kevin Owens or, you know, if you get, if you're going to do Samoa Joe's concussion angle, maybe he can't take a lot of damage, but like a month from now, you could do something where he really cripples Samoa Joe, like hits him in the knee with a chair or something. Um, do something different than what they're fucking doing. Cause this like Seth, it, they even almost did a crucifixion angle in the end of this match. Right. And I'm like, really? It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. I would, um, I don't know. Like I said, I would way rather this, even if they have an association through a group, and it's not like I'm, I'm offended or anything like that, but I, I would way rather them build Seth like they did beforehand and him be a, more of a devious prick heel, which I think is what he's good at, um, and then build up him versus Kevin Owens, kind of reflected off of 2001. You know, and you could have done an injury angle, too, where he fucks over Kevin Owens, and it's similar to Triple H and, and Stone Cold, and have a badass, great WrestleMania match. I don't think the sermon shit's working, but I want to get through Raw, man. Let's, uh, let's get through this next big part, and then we can just end the, uh, this, uh, ending, uh, the, what we've already talked about. But AJ Styles came to the ring alongside Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson in his first appearance since he separated his shoulder at Royal Rumble. He called out a number of WWE legends, including, remember this, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and the NWO, saying he is the most phenomenal wrestler of all time, and that he will prove it at Super Showdown by winning the trophy, and then again at WrestleMania 36. He was then interrupted by Ricochet, who said he would beat Brock Lesnar at Super Showdown and challenged Styles to a match. Instead, uh, Carl Anderson said that he wanted to fight him, and Ricochet ultimately defeated Carl Anderson after connecting with a modified GTS out of a fisherman's carry. Um, I would, this is just setting up AJ versus uh, Undertaker, huh? Or she said, correct. Oh, is it? Or because NWO is getting in the Hall of Fame, are they going to do Undertaker versus AJ, and then all of these people show up, and then DX also shows up, and then they do the Sting versus Triple H gimmick? Because that's what it seems like it's setting up to me. Is yes, it will be I Undertaker versus versus AJ, but it'll also be like, look at all this extracurricular shit that's going on. Oh, I would hate that. Uh, I'm well, gonna hate it. I'm gonna uh, hate it too. And I think they should just do AJ versus Undertaker. But the only way I'm gonna believe it's only gonna be them is if they put them in like Hell in a Cell or something. Just because NWO is getting inducted, they're all gonna be there. And then he mentioned Sean, so I'm assuming all of DX is gonna roll out there. And then they're gonna try to promote people watching the Hall of Fame on the network or whatever. Well, we'll find out. It's a very, uh, it's a theory that I could definitely see playing out because of WWE, but I hope not. I hope it's just the two of them, maybe with a little bit of shenanigans uh, with the uh, Good Brothers, but maybe you know, and maybe then Scott Hall and Kevin Ash come and take them out. I maybe something like that, but I hope it's nothing that uh, big. Uh, I, I mean, the, I, we had, the excuse, the excuse WWE will give is like. We we gave you Sean versus AJ and Taker versus AJ like in the same night. That's what that's Fuck what you. that's how they'll sell it. Ugh. Charlie Caruso interviewed Liv Morgan about Ruby Riot. Said her she will eliminate her in elimination chamber. And then, like I said, we had Kevin Owens, the Viking Raiders, uh, defeating Murphy and AOP by DQ after the long back and forth match. Kevin Owens hit Murphy with a stunner, but before he could score the pin, Seth Rollins ran. 
uh, into beat him down in the ring, leading to a DQ victory. Rollins said they were going to crucify Owens, but before they could, Street Profits made the save. So I guess now they're getting involved. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you figured this out, WWE. Street Profits probably should be your fucking tag team champions. Maybe this is a good way to get around that. So we get Kevin Owens versus uh, Seth, like we said, maybe another Alistair Buddy match, and then have a three-way with the champions who beat uh, Seth and Buddy, the Street Profits going against AOP and the Viking Raiders at WrestleMania in a three-way or something like that. I don't know. Uh, like you said, though, we almost had a crucifixion, Chris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, they didn't have, like, a cross gimmick out there, ECW style, or Undertaker's logo, but it they, they definitely mentioned it. I was surprised. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fucking weird. I like your idea of a three-way for the tag titles. And if that's what Paul – if this is Paul's idea, that's probably where it's headed because he loves triple threat matches, so – uh, maybe that is the end goal now that, that Joe is out of the picture. If so, then, you know, good on WWE. I, I just – I don't trust follow-through with them a lot of times. I don't blame you, man. I'm the exact same way. All right, let's 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 kind of breeze through SmackDown. I, I, you know, we're trying to get to the meat of it. So, um, uh, all right. Actually, you know what? We'll we'll get the SmackDown if we can at the end of it. I want to talk about the event that I was at. Um, basically, my good friend Michael Hoyt said that he won tickets with his company uh, the day of for some pretty damn good seats at AEW Dynamite. And, of course, I obliged because uh, I didn't have to pay for anything. Although, I will say I bought a fucking hot dog, a burger, and a 24-ounce beer and paid $30 for it. You guys are robbing people over in the fucking State Farm Arena. Joke. But either way, this is a big, big, you know, um, dynamite uh, for for AEW. Cody was really hyping it up. He even had a press conference for this, which is something that he usually does only for the pay-per-views, because this is his hometown. He even mentioned it in an interview after his cage match about how right down the street, you know, the State Farm took over at, from what it was as the Phillips Arena, and before that, it was the Omni. And I actually had a chance to watch a Monday Nitro at the Omni before they, they, they uh, tore it down. And it's a very special place for Cody, and uh, the matches were awesome, man. Um, we saw a couple dark matches, but we'll, that's AEW Dark. You guys will, I think, enjoy them next week. But the actual Dynamite started with the Young Bucks and every other tag team under the sun, um, you know, the, the best friends and, and Helico uh, and Jack Evans. You had uh, the, the Butcher and the Blade. Um, you had <laughs> Private Party. You had LA or former LAX, I should say, Pride and Powerful. You had, you know, just pretty much every tag team out there. And a Battle Royal, and I like this concept because they've done in WWE where if one person gets eliminated from the tag team, the tag team's out. This one was whoever gets eliminated, the other person's in, still represents the team. They're just down a man. Definitely like that a lot more. I love the spots in it. Oh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy were involved. Uh, the Dark Order were involved. Uh, actually came out and tried to court um, or, or, or make or give shit to SoCal for the fact that Christopher Daniels wasn't there. Um, you know, made reference to that. Got them eliminated by their two members that were involved in the match. Uh, in which they got eliminated then by the Young Bucks, who super kicked them 
out of there. And we, they, the, the, the gentleman from the uh, videos, from the promos, was there uh, along with uh, Evil Uno, and he was the one who was on the mic, you know, talking shit basically to SCU, trying to get them out of their game, which inevitably worked, um, and said that the Exalted One was near. Well, <laughs> two people behind them, and I didn't hear, Chris, the, uh, the broadcast, so I didn't know if they even referenced him on commentary. Raven was sitting in the audience, WCW uh, Nitro style, just chilling by himself. So I don't know if that's just to throw us off, if, if he is involved with something completely different, or if this is going to be going in that direction. Still Matt Hardy, still Christopher Daniels. There's still a lot of rumors, basically, of who is the exalted one. But I found that pretty interesting. Um, nonetheless, the match was just nonstop. It ended up being where it was Matt Jackson and Trent Beretta against LAX. And Trent got eliminated. No, no, and then also The Butcher, who also had a great showing. I love that Andy Williams, the drummer for one of my favorite hardcore bands, Every Time I Die, is this monster in, in this ring. It's just so very – it's strange to me um, that they're the same person. But The Butcher did, had a great showing. Luchasaurus and him had a, a pair-up. Luchasaurus had a great showing. Everyone looked good in this match. Like I said, it ended up with uh, the Butcher eliminating Tremperetta and then him and Matt going back and forth, and then Matt doing a spear through the ropes while the Butcher was on the opposite side of it, eliminating him and getting back in the ring to go against LAX and somehow pulling it off and winning it for them. So that means that later on the night between the Lucha Bros and Kenny Omega and Adam Page, whoever won that match was going to be going against now the Young Bucks at the pay-per-view thought this was for a battle royal was actually a very very uh really really well done battle royal we also saw uh mr orange cassidy get his oranges smashed in by the bunny that sucks man wear a cup learn from aj styles and brock lesnar and many people in the past uh how'd you like this battle royal chris i loved the storytelling of this battle royal it's a battle royal that actually built towards other matches which doesn't happen very often for a battle royal. I normally hate battle royals. This was a fun opening to the show. Even though we all kind of knew the Bucks were going to win because they're setting up that feud with, uh, obviously, Omega and, fuck, uh, Adam Page to uh, versus the Bucks. So we kind of knew that was coming, but they did a really good job of building other feuds out of this match. There was a lot of really fun spots. And uh, even the outside stuff with SCU and, and the Dark Order, um, and Orange Cassidy getting his uh, oranges squeezed, freshly squeezed, <laughs> as you would say. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, it looked really good on TV. I don't know. How did it look in the arena? Because you were actually there. Uh, pretty good, man. I mean, one thing that's good, what they were doing, like a lot of places, they had a huge monitor up top showing us what you guys were seeing on television. So if we couldn't see something going on to the audience, like all that stuff with Raven and the Dark Order – or any of that, we saw what was actually happening. So we had a pretty good view. Oh, how did you feel so about I, Raven? What the fuck do you think that is? So I didn't notice Raven at all. So I'm assuming that he was just there. And I don't remember them mentioning him on commentary. Um, unless I'm com- completely, unless I just completely missed it. But uh, I remember I, I didn't even see him. So I guess I'm just, I was just oblivious to the fact he was there. Uh, if they're just using him to throw off the trail, I'm fine with it. I mean, he's not going to wrestle at this point in his career. 
especially because I think he – I don't know if they ever settled that lawsuit or not, but he was tied up in that concussion syndrome lawsuit for so long that he actually wasn't yeah. wrestling. He was just doing kind of appearances in his podcast. Uh, I mean, I'm still assuming it's either going to be Matt or Chris, Christopher Daniels. Um, but it's it's kind of neat they threw him in there. I wish they would have uh, made more of a note of it on commentary that – Ravens creepily sitting behind them. But it was also, uh, if, if that's what happened and they showed it on TV, that's also a great homage to old school WCW with Ravens sitting in the crowd. Would have been great yep. if uh, some of the other flock was there. <laughs> like, uh, well, Bill Kidman still works for WWE, right? So, I'm trying to think of who else. Is Lodi Maybe a little still bit alive? Lodi or Sick Boy, you know, one of them can uh, <laughs> join them. No one's going to know who one the of them fuck those guys are. One of them passed away, unfortunately. I can't remember which one it was, so oh. apologies ahead of time. Um, Perry Saturn. <laughs> Get Saturn there. Wow. People remember Perry Saturn. Saturn. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, that, no, that's a cool homage. I missed it. I must have just missed that, so apologies. Yeah, no no big deal. We had a uh, match followed, uh, following that, I should say, with Chris Satlander going against uh, Shauna who was dressed in some DBZ wear. I know that a bunch of, like, uh, wrestling fanboys probably, like, their jaws dropped. Um, but these ladies did a great job. Um, you know, just having an awesome female you – know, Not I don't know why I should say female, but just a great wrestling match in general. Shauna won by her, her – uh, I forgot what the pal driver's called. I believe that's one that Kota Ibushi does. Um, but Britt Breaker was on commentary during this match – Chris, I didn't hear the commentary from Britt Baker. I know that she brought Tony a Starbucks um, cup, but it was uh, modified with his face instead, which I find fucking hilarious. And I also heard that um, JR had a problem with, uh, with the term pie face. He thinks that cake is just as good as pie, and he likes it better, so why isn't it cake face? So I heard some stuff about the commentary. Uh, I love that type of stuff. Um, I really like Chris Statlander. Uh, we'll go into the interview with uh, Nyla after this, but I also really like Shauna. I've been really high on her since they showed her. Uh, I thought these ladies had a good match. I thought also, though, that Chris kind of um, dropped uh, Shauna on her head. There was another spot where Shauna dropped Chris on her head, too, that would look pretty fucking just brutal. But uh, good match by the women, and I think the right uh, person that, that they're pushing out of the two of them, Chris Statlander, who, to me, comes off, kind of like a female ultimate warrior, just not as uh, crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, just by her look, though. Uh, what did you think about this match? And what, what, what was it like on commentary with Britt Baker there? Britt Baker was actually fine on commentary, uh, much better than when Brandy was on commentary. And I thought it fit well with her back and forth between Tony and JR. Um, no problems with that at all. I thought it was a decent little match. There was a few botches, like you mentioned. I like Chris Statlander a lot. I think that's probably going to be their baby face. Uh, it's a unique gimmick because she's like from outer space, I guess. <laughs> so it's interesting to see how they get that over. Um, I was disappointed that they didn't just have her come out to AT Aliens. <laughs> AT Aliens? Um, which would have been great because she's an alien. Uh, no, just that's a Atlanta joke. But um, She's cooler no, than Apollo Boa's toenails. Oh, no, there you go again talking that shit. What's up, what's up, what's up, sir? I struck a nerve and now you're about to see the Southern play a start. Okay, we can do that all day. Um, yeah, no, good match. And, and uh, the commentary was, I thought was pretty good. And I, I forgot about the cake pie face thing until just now. So thank you for that. <laughs> and I guess, I guess that brings us to Nyla, right? 
Yep. So Tony Schiavone interviewed AEW Women's Champion Nyla Rose, who said that winning the belt was justice because she would have been, or she should have been, the first women's champion, and her face should be on the posters. She said that Riho might be brave, but Nyla represents power. Uh, I love that she came out and people were booing her, and she just brought it on, and she's like, really? This is what you do with a champion? Um, I thought Nyla was awesome in this. I would also like to say that to anyone, um, if you just want to get to know Nyla, you know, or if you're someone that, I don't know, she just did an interview with Chris Jericho. Uh, it was a very, very enlightening interview. I, I really hope for Nyla within the women's division, and she is now kind of, if you will, there under the giant or Vader within the women's division, especially with Awesome Kong being injured. So I, I think that she did a damn good job on the mic. Uh, she put she cut a really great promo. She's gotten better in the ring, and she is that aggressive monster heel within the division. Afterwards, Chris Statlander came out and acted like she was going to boop Nyla's nose and then boop the title instead. Then Big Swole came out and got in Nyla's face, too. Uh, officials got between them to keep the brawl from breaking out. I'm a huge fan of Big Swole. If, if you're watching Dark, they've been building her really well. Uh, she's another person that I would like to see do some stuff within there. I'm glad that they're saying Chris Statlander and Big Swole. And also realize Rio is still the number one contender as far as the rankings go. She's two. So there's got to be some type of interaction in the future with that. But I liked all of this. There's only one thing I don't like, and it's also something about Chris Statlander. Hey, Chris, can you uh, can you guess the thing that I don't like that Chris Statlander does? That bothers the fuck out of me. I don't know, Dane. Uh, what it, What is it, bud? The booping shit. I think it's so fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> they had a boop off in the fucking match with her and Shauna. <coughs> She's an alien. Ridiculous. She, all right, that's fine. She can be an alien. Be a predator. Be, be predator. There's no alien that I've ever seen that fucking boop set for communication. I think it looked so goofy and well, ridiculous. Well, I like predi- she did the, the predator title. is not. I mean, the pre- to be fair, the predator is not a baby face. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But to be fair, she's not really an alien. So it's 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 to me it's it's just fucking overly silly. So especially the boop she's off. like she's like Mr. Burns when he did the chemo. <laughs> On the X-Files Simpsons episode? <laughs> sure, cool. sure. How, how, how did you like the promo, though? I thought that Nyla killed it. I thought Nyla's promo was great. And also, people, stop being shitty online. Like, how are you have a problem with Nyla being the women's champion but not have a problem with Santina Morello being in the women's Royal Rumble? Like, fuck, fuck off. Sorry, I had to get that out there. But, like, stop being shitty people. Everyone together. Yep. Let's let's try to be better people in general. Be nicer to one another. I do, dude. I I completely agree with you. Um, like I said, check out the Jericho interview. It was really, really. If you don't know a lot about, you know, transgenders or 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 what what it's like to go through that whole entire process in a very nice, fun, open conversation, check it out. And not only that, she's also a, seems like a really good person that I want to see good things for because she's been she's been over in Japan. She's been busting her ass for a long time, so I'm happy where she is in the company. Yeah, and like Chris said, just quit being a fucking shitty person, especially if it's just due to ignorance and not knowing. That's stupid to be scared of that type of shit. Find out. Get knowledge. Knowledge is power. All right. Um, John Moxley and Jeff Cobb 
This was an awesome fucking match. These guys beat the living hell out of each other. I love John Moxley because he's he's the crazy guy, man. He's like we've said before in the past. There are other guys that kind of give me an Austin vibe, if you will. Moxley does in certain ways that they treat him, but he's more, you know, he's more willing to fucking give a lot of like to get his ass kicked, to be a little bit silly. You know, stuff that you wouldn't see uh, from Austin. It, well, maybe until, like, later on when he was doing ukuleles with uh, with uh, Kurt Angle or whatnot. <laughs> no, that wasn't even Kurt. doesn't matter. Hats. Um, all I'm saying is, like, this was a badass match. They brought Taz on for commentary. I wish I could have heard what he was saying, because Taz is really good, obviously, with suplexes and that style of wrestling that Jeff Cobb's uh, known for. Also, really cool note, Chris, in the uh, in the interview or the um, the press conference before with Cody, he said that him and Taz are going to be at the NCAA Championship scouting for AEW. That that was an idea about Taz. Apparently, Taz is now heavily involved in the creative, along with all the other great legends that they have, like Dean Malenko and Kevin Sullivan and Art Anderson and Tully Blanchard and and uh, Jr. and all these amazing minds to pull from. Um, you know, Taz is now a part of that whole entire group. Uh, I uh, love the match. It was a hard-hitting match. I was okay with the superplex into a small package. That Moxley's crazy ass got enough momentum to be able to turn that. Um, but after the match, of course, Chris Jericho, Samuel Guevara, Jack Hagar just hit the ring. They're sitting in the audience. They hit the ring, uh, went after him, and Dustin Rose attempted to make the save and got beaten up. And then Darby Allen. Sting style comes out uh, with his skateboard, comes to the ring, using the skateboard as a way to get over all the gentlemen. And it ended up with everyone getting cleared out. And at one point we had John Moxley and Chris Jericho just hockey fighting until Chris Jericho fled. But setting up the matches, it's Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Chris Jericho obviously going against Moxley for the championship and Dustin against Hager. And throughout the commercial, Darby Allen took the gimmick that Sammy does once again, uh, since he quote unquote can't speak, and basically told him that he's going to murder him <laughs> at the pay per view. So I love Darby Allen, man. That pop that he got, him, Luchasaurus, John Moxley, um, Chris Jericho, uh, Cody, they probably all got the biggest pops and Kenny Omega got the biggest pops out of it. And, and hangman page, all those guys, they're fucking just on a different level. Darby's pop though, might've been the loudest, Chris. It was crazy. They love, I kind of want, I kind of want you to end up going to the raw show too, just so you can compare pops. <laughs> Cause Raw's coming to town also in the same arena. So that's going to be interesting. Um, well, that yeah, same Darby arena, Allen. I will say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that same arena I saw SmackDown at there, and I will say both play both shows, and that SmackDown was the one where Roman Reigns uh, came back and told us that he was going to come back to wrestling uh, about a year ago from from battling leukemia, and um, both shows, the audience there were people missing, but it's still so fucking loud in State Farm, it just it, you you don't even notice it. But uh, I thought that was a really cool comparison since I was there a different spot uh, for SmackDown about a year before that. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since I've been to uh Phillips slash state farm. So uh, 
I, man, they need to get on the same level as Mercedes-Benz with their pricing, though, after what you said earlier, because Mercedes-Benz is like $3 for a hot dog or hamburger and $2 for a drink, which is fucking awesome. So Atlanta, get your shit together. <laughs> um, that, all, that being said, uh, this was a great match. I loved it. I thought uh, I think they're doing a good job with Jeff Cobb, making him look dominant, but also protecting Moxley. The Moxley beatdown's great, and it sets up the feud with Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen, which we talked about is is going to be an incredible match. And uh, yeah, people lost their shit when Darby Allen came out with that uh, skateboard. And um, I don't know if they were planning on doing a spot through the skateboard because he left it in the ring, and then they just decided against it. Uh, with uh, Moxley and Jericho right before they finished that segment up. Um, but someone ended up grabbing it out of the ring. So I, I, I don't know what happened there. But outside of that, like, it was fucking awesome. Like Darby Allen a lot. I still think there's a huge amount of stuff they can do with him. And, it, and once again, kind of an homage to WCW a little bit with him coming out, like you said, very Sting-like. And I like their selling that he can't talk because of his, what, broken larynx? Is that what they were going with? But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you know, he's entertaining well and, uh, been phenomenal. He was great in Evolve as well. So I'm, I'm glad to see him succeeding in AEW. And I kind of want to see them let him take the next step because I feel like he could easily be at the top of the card, just personality alone. A lot like Jeff Hardy. That's putting a lot on someone, uh, the charismatic enigma himself. But there is something special about, Darby Allen to get that believability behind him and get the crowd behind him being a uh, a smaller guy on the roster. Yeah, did you like my uh, comparison? I did while I was in the arena, and it was during uh, transition, but I quickly put together a picture that had Sting uh, and then Jeff Hardy on one side and Darby Allen on the other side, and then below that, Batman with Nightwing on one side and then the Red Hood, which was the second Robin, the one that was a little bit off the deep end on the other side. I, I, I like the comparison myself. I know that you, you at least liked it on, on Facebook. I also like the guy that let me know that, no, actually, Sting pulled inspiration from the comic book character The Crow. I wanted to bash my fucking head in. Thank you very much for that information, dude. Uh, but, yeah, did you like that comparison? I mean, it wasn't pulled inspiration from the comic book. It was from the movie, and it was Scott Hall's idea, so you should have told that guy to fuck off. But, yes, I did like your comparison. I, I liked it on Facebook, but of course I liked it. I think that's a, a great comparison if you're doing comic books to wrestling. Um, good shit all around, for sure. All right, well, instead of just putting myself over, we'll, we'll move on, but thank you. I appreciate it. We had the AEW Tag Team Championship match. All these matches, man, every match on the card was awesome. This might have been... A lot of people are saying this. I loved last week, and I've, I've, I really enjoyed the week that uh, Cody went up into the uh, box uh, with everyone, DDP and everyone, and took out the um, the inner circle. They've had some great shows, but this is a, this was a good show, and especially one to be there for live. This tag team championship match, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, going against the Lucha Bros. Another thing, Young Bucks and Lucha Bros, over as fuck. Uh, Pentagon has just this way with the audience. It really is a modern concept, you know, Ray Phoenix for Ray Mysterio, and if he ever got a, you know, a, a, that big of a push in WCW, L.A. Park, for not being able to speak English, uh, La Parca at the time, how just charismatic he was is very similar to how Pentagon comes off, and if not, Pentagon's got that even times 10 uh, nowadays, but just a great fucking match back and forth. There was a spot where the Lariat came out and Pentagon got out of the way and he nailed Kenny Omega. 
you know, just setting this shit up, setting stuff up. We, I think that me and you knew Chris since the, since the Hardys, since the Young Bucks won that battle royal. They're probably going to pin them against Kenny Omega and Paige to really bring that out. But um, Paige Pete, uh, pinned Phoenix after a buckshot V-trigger combo, which I love that fucking that move. And Omega and Paige will face the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution. Paige and Omega are very similar to how I feel about the, the Broserweights. For the short period of time they've been a tag team, you could go and say, like, oh, do they really need to put these two single guys together? But they're bringing out their own tag team moves, they're working, and they're actually proving themselves to be a pretty awesome fucking tag team. But I know it's not going to be lasting for much longer. I'm pretty sure the Bucks are going to get those titles, and then Adam Page between Kenny and Adam Page between Young Bucks are going to go south. And I feel like the audience are still going to fucking side with Adam Page. I could even see Kenny being the one afterwards that says fuck it and then becomes the villain because I think Kenny has more dimensions, very similar to Seth Rollins, more dimensions as a egotistical heel than he does as a plain babyface. I just don't think it works out for him as much. I want to see the clear come back, and I wouldn't even mind seeing the Young Bucks kind of go a little bit more towards the dark side. I don't know. I know they're supposed to be the modern rock and roll express, but they've done it in the past and they're really good at it as well. So uh, how'd you feel about this tag match, Chris? I I thought it was a great tag match. I continue to love Adam page week after week. I think what he's doing with that character is great, but he comes off as a complete baby face just to me comes off as a baby face. Um, Still like the idea of the young bucks and, and uh, Kenny Omega turning heel. And uh, do a Freebirds thing, you know. They've been the they've been the Rock and Roll Express for forever. Maybe they go to the Fabulous Freebirds. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that far fetched. So Freebird rules. Do that. Rotate Kenny in and out. He's like, I didn't lose this match. Adam Page lost this match, and then he they just rotate in people with the, the with the Young Bucks to defend the titles, and you have Adam Page with multiple people he could go against. There's a lot of stuff he could do there. Adam Page just going heel at this point, I don't think helps him at all. Um, whereas Kenny going heel, I feel like he would be great at it, and the Young Bucks would be a good heel tag team. It lets you move up Luchasaurus and um, Jungle Boy as a babyface tag team. It also lets you kind of rotate um, in like SEU as a babyface tag team and a few other. They don't really have a great heel tag team outside of Pride and Powerful. I think I think Lucha Bros should be a babyface tag team. I don't think they're really coming off as heels. Yeah, and the only way they're going to get there is if, like, the Bucks turn. So, I, to yeah. me, that makes the most sense. But, you know, it, you could do either way. I just feel like the fans have gotten behind Adam Page, and it's not the time to cool him off as a babyface, in my opinion. All right. I agree. Last match. Really emotional match. Steel cage match. And I was wrong with my assessment that they were going to do something that harkened back to maybe Arn getting his arm broke uh from MJF and, and Wardlow with people not being able to get in the ring, but they did reference that quite a few times. Um, and I thought the match was awesome. Uh, Wardlow looked like a monster. He's got his finisher is called the F10 in which he does an F5 and then twirls them uh, extra rotation around. And uh, Cody just doing that comeback thing, man. I, it just, He's so great. He is He is very much early 90s Sting. He's even, I'll even say, like, a flair was uh, perceived uh, 
when the NWO was going on, once he became, it was like there was no way to get around him being a babyface or Arn for that matter. And the, the the nasty shit that happened to him with Kurt Henning turning on him and slamming his head. They made reference to that where, where the door got open, Cody was hanging out. By the way, no escaping. There's, there's, there's nothing like that. I like that, that quality. Cage is used for the two guys to beat the living shit out of each other and not be able to escape. It's all for Penn. They made clear with that many, many times. But I just love that, um, yeah, he had his head sticking out. He's already bloodied up from getting slammed against the cage, quote-unquote. Um, and MJF's just going, just do it. Just do it. Just do it like you did to his dad. You know you know, you want to, and that happened. And and not only that, it also happened, obviously, with Kerry Von Erich going against Ric Flair and, um, and P.S. Hayes doing it to Kerry. This is something that's just wrestling. It's got wrestling DNA in it. I love it. And uh, Arn slammed it into freaking MJF's face. There was another part where MJF was trying to climb up the cage to help out Wardlow. Uh, Prandy tried to hit him with a K or with a steel chair. It didn't really work out too well. Arn then grabbed MJF and threw his ass into the crowd. And uh, Cody would hit him with the crossroads. Um, he he got out of it, which that still makes Wardlow look really good. And went up, and I couldn't believe it because he was in the corner of where we were sitting. And did didn't he did Io Shirai did man didn't even fucking look back and 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 Metzler said it's like it, it looked like Cody was like I'm just gonna go up and fucking do it and that's what he did and uh, he looked like he need fucking Wardlow who was standing at that point right in the face looked pretty damn devastating one two three they win um, and then everyone gets in the ring everything's happy Wardlow and MJF are are carrying themselves up the ramp. Cody gets to the top of the cage, points at, at MJF and tells him that he's next. And afterwards, Cody, uh, you know, cut a really passionate speech. If you guys want to check it out, I put it from my view. Um, and I followed him throughout the whole thing. I know it's, it's a lot of audience, but it's a pretty good video and breakdown on our Twitter. Or you can find it at, uh, at Dane Alves. Or what, no, what do, what do I call myself? Uh, Dane the Great? I don't remember. It's also on Geek Vibes Nation. Just check it out there. But it's a good video of him just saying how much he loves this arena, how much he loves Georgia, how much he loves wrestling, and just just good stuff, man. Cody is fucking on fire. He is. It's going to be so hard for him to turn heel if he ever wants to do that, um, because he he's 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 loved by the people. Um, how'd you like this cage match, Chris? Yeah, I'll keep it kind of short. I thought the storytelling in this cage match was great. They didn't go the route of the injury like we thought with with Arn playing down the road. I was completely fine with it. It told its own story about, you know, him breaking Dusty's leg and MJF like being like, you know you hate the roads. I thought that was great. I like Brandy getting involved in MJF kind of going after her before Arn showed up to save her damsels in distress. I love uh I loved Wardlow's work. This is the first match we've seen him in. I thought he was great, and I love that he saved Cody's life. That was good. Um, unlike Samoa Joe, he caught Cody. <laughs> Fucking Samoa Joe can't catch a break with someone catching him off a dive, but uh, Cody jumping from a cage. Wardlow was there. Like you said, he didn't take a knee to the head, but he was at least there, caught the guy, looked great, loved the finish, loved the promo afterwards, loved all the references back. Dane, don't ever steal anyone's pop. That's what uh, mortal words to live no. by from, from Dusty Rhodes. Uh, check out the one that Dane posted on Twitter. I will retweet it. You can hit me at, 
at Chris R. Patton, if, if you haven't followed me already. But it's also on YouTube if you want to see the uh, professionally shot AEW version as well. Hopefully they show this on next week's episode because I think it was, if not the best Cody promo, damn near close to it. And I'm going to be a little biased on that because a lot of it had some Atlanta references in it, but it was damn good. And uh, the the line to take away from it for me is like, someone asked me earlier today if I was going to jump off the cage, and I was like, in my hometown, hell yeah, I'm going to jump off that cage. And then he obviously did it in the match. Great line, great Cody promo, great AEW, probably the best TV they've had since the Absolutely. year, in my opinion. Um, just a good overall show. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, all right, so because I want to be able to go over this, I'm going to kind of just go through the whole thing, Chris, just get your evaluation and thoughts over it um, kind of fast because I, I have – I'm going to be honest with you. This NXT kind of um, – that was lackluster. I know that they had one hell of a show to go against with the cage match being very, very uh, promoted, but they're coming off what a lot of people were ca- calling their best takeover. And I love NXT. And that's the reason why I'm criticizing it. Cause I don't think that they held on their end, a show that kind of showed a lot of those people. You had Tommaso Ciampa, you had Adam Cole there. Gargano wasn't there. Finn Balor wasn't there. You know, there was a lot of people missing. And if you're building to April for the next takeover, and you just come off this amazing takeover. I thought it was a little bit, uh, a little bit lackluster. But I'll, I'll just, we'll, we'll go through the thing. I'll kind of shorten it up. But Undisputed Era came out. Doesn't matter that all of them don't have their their belts. Adam Cole still does. They'll get their belts back. Roderick Strong's gonna kick the shit out of Velveteen uh, Dream at the end of the night for disrespecting his wife, his kid, and himself. Then there was an awesome match uh, for Cruiserweight that I would love to see these guys have more time to perform between Devlin and Leo Rush. There was um, Austin Theory coming out to have a match. Great to see Austin back. Great to see him get a big, high-profile match next week because Tommaso Ciampa interrupts it, basically goes after Gargano, saying that he should have known, basically, like, you know, he gets it. He understands why Gargano attacked him, but he's going to basically destroy him. And then Theory was pissed off still that he interrupted his match, and Ciampa just just destroyed him. So now they're going to have a match next week. They had the uh, Grizzly Young Veterans getting a uh, uh, win against uh, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild, a.k.a. DJZ. Uh, that they're, they're building them up, um, and apparently now next week they're going to beat the crap out of the Forgotten Sons because they'll be forgotten by then. The Broserweights entered, and they cut a promo um, saying that they won the Dusty Classic. Now they won the titles. And that the trophy was not there because it was suspended, or it was suspended for the well, wellness policy violation for a month. That was kind of funny. They defeated Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch in a pretty damn good, hard-hitting match. That's what Lurch and and, and Lorkin are always known for, man. They're they're good for a hard-hitting match. Uh, then we had Keith Lee beating Kona Reeves in no time. Dominic Dijakovic wants a chance again at the uh, at the thing or at the North American title. I will say that, look, they put on great matches, but at this point, when are they going to move on, and who the hell is Keith Lee going to be going against at uh, TakeOver in April? Chelsea Green defeated Caden Carter. During that, Bianca Belair came out, called out Charlotte Flair, said that she's going to whoop her ass, and uh, set up that. Uh, Green uh, beat Carter, and um, we had the Velveteen going against Roderick Strong. In a, in a kind of sloppy match, I think that Velveteen Dream 
needs to go back, or well, he's at the performance center, but I think he needs to work on some stuff. I think that he's a little bit. I know they're trying to make it look like it was an actual fight at first. I, I get that, but these guys should have been hockey fighting each other right at the fucking beginning, especially Roderick Strong. And um, undisputed ever got involved in the match, and Dream took off his jumpsuit to reveal tights with Marina Shafir on the crotch and backside before hitting Strong's friends with a crossbody. Soon uh, after Dream hit Strong with the Dream Valley driver for the win, Undisputed attacked him, and it ended with heels tall, baby face down. I'm assuming that there's going to be a three-way for the belt at NXT TakeOver uh, Orlando, uh, or Tampa, I should say, and it's going to be Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, and Finn Balor. Finn Balor, if Adam Cole apparently go, if he wins – and he goes another day. He beats Finn Balor's record for uh, longest reign with the championship. So Finn Balor's got a lot in that too. I don't see them not putting Velveteen Dream in a in a championship. Uh, he's he's got to go after Adam Cole. Anyways, Chris, if you want me to sum up anything or go back and forth, uh, what did you think about this show? And uh, we'll talk about kind of how it. And, well, in, at least in my case, how I thought it was lackluster. But the show itself. The matches, stuff set up. Would you like? Would you not like about NXT? So I'll give you the two matches that I really enjoyed. I liked the Devlin versus Leo Rush match. I would definitely say go back and watch that. I liked the Bruiserweights versus Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch match. I think that was great. And the Keith Lee Kona Reeves match. If you have to watch things from this show, those would be the ones that I would watch. The rest of the show was just kind of there. Um, I don't like that Austin Theory showed up for a match. They never actually gave us the match. It was just a Tomas and Ciampa promo. I hope that that means that Austin Theory is getting involved in this feud somehow because he's too great well, not to utilize. He's got a match with uh, Ciampa next week, which he'll probably lose, but it'll probably still be an awesome match. Yeah, so him losing is not fucking exciting to me. I'm hoping that he actually gets a win due to Gargano interfering or something, and they build that down the yeah. line. Um, Chelsea Green, I feel bad for her. They're having this match, and then Bianca Belair comes out in the middle. They did this twice, kind of these two things that just make whoever is actually coming out to do something look like fucking, like, in the middle of this match, she comes out and it's like, no, she's way more important than these fuckers. They're just, and they're just here to fill a spot. I hate that shit, so... I feel kind of bad for Chelsea Green because she got lost her first match and then got eliminated from the Rumble, and then she gets a win, but it's overshadowed by Bianca Belair, so I have no idea what they're doing with her. Um, The Velveteen Dream match looked like shit. He's rusty. I think he'll shake the ring rust off and and be better for the next one, but that match was terrible, and I hate this fucking pants gimmick. That's so heel. Why is he a fucking heel? So, like, when he got his ass kicked at the end by four dudes, I didn't have any sympathy for him because it's like you're, that's his friends, and you're, like, talking about banging his wife, basically, and putting his kid and his wife on your crotch and kneecap or whatever. Like, that's a fucking Rick Rude shit heel move. If you get jumped for that, then it's kind of deserved. So it's really hard for me to feel bad for Velveteen Dream. I hate the pants gimmick. They need to move past it. I don't know if someone watched Rick Rude and said, hey, that's a great baby face. Because WWE doesn't know how baby faces <laughs> work, apparently. But, uh, no, that's heel. That's a heel-ass move. To put a man's wife's face on your crotch, you deserve to get jumped after the match. So I didn't feel bad for him, and the match was sloppy as fuck. So hopefully he shakes that ring rust off and moves forward. But that's that's my overall thoughts on the show. 
it was just a very there show, but they were coming off that pay-per-view and, and starting to build new storylines. Um, I thought the Adam, Adam Cole stuff is, is interesting and him versus uh Balor. This should be a great match. I would actually probably have been win. Um, just because Colts had it for so long, but I don't know who he would face after that. Maybe Velveteen Dream if they can get him back in the right direction. Yeah, I I agree with you. They'd have to get it. They got to build him. But you know, still a great show. Um, still better than what happened on Raw. And I'm sorry for not going over SmackDown. I just felt like it was kind of wasting time. Uh, I like the stuff with. With Otis, I know that people love Otis. Um, it's so funny because I even heard Filthy Tom and Brian Alvarez talk about they should just push the fuck out of him and make him a top guy. Now, Vince is not going to do that. But enduring big guys, I will, you know, look back. Dusty, Mick, you know, Mark Henry. If, if you're a babyface and you're a big guy, you can get over with the audience. He's actually good in the ring, and he's over. That's, that's the thing. It's But – Storyline aside, there wasn't a lot of great stuff that happened on SmackDown, I don't think. I thought that, like I said, NXT, a little lackluster coming off the pay-per-view. AEW did a great job, and Raw had, it, had its ups and had its downs. Uh, but that's it, guys. That is our show. That is Wrestling Geeks Alliance for this week. We'll be back next Thursday at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, EST like we normally do. But uh, Chris, thank you for joining me like usual. Any closing statements and say goodbye to the good people. You got any shows coming out? Yeah, no. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and at Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Also at Chris R. Patton on Instagram, uh, though I don't post there much. So just heads up on that one. Uh, everyone have a great weekend. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dane. Skates the Throats, new episode should be posted up Monday. Um, so check that out. We're talking about uh, the trade deadline. So it's a, it's a big week in hockey. So if you're a hockey fan, check that out. Uh, like I said, Dane, thanks for having me, man. And uh, yeah, everybody have a good weekend. Yeah, guys. And uh, if you want, it's Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. You can find me there. You can find me at Dane Alves at Facebook. Definitely check out our website, geekvibesnation.com for all news when it comes to combat books, uh, video games, movies, wrestling. We do a lot of different stuff. On there, you can find links to our Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitter on Geek Vibes Nation. So check that out. Uh, if you don't want to listen live or you can't listen live uh, off of Blog Talk, we also are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, all of your audio platforms. Uh, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And for all, all of our other shows, Geek Vibes Nation, you'll find them. Thank you guys so much once again, like I said, for listening. We'll be back Thursday. We do this every Thursday and Saturday, and uh, let the Geek Buys be with you. Peace out. Listen up, Slap Nuts. This is the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance.